Hey everybody, welcome back to the Norwood Noise uh, College Basketball Podcast. Hope you all are doing well. It is Wednesday, December 8th. It is late on Wednesday, December 8th. We are usually a morning recording podcast, uh, but today with some travel interference uh, and a couple other things going on, we are um, recording in the evening. So it is currently 9.17 Central Time. It's going to be 10.17 Eastern Time for uh, my colleague Graham Griffith here. Um, Graham? You doing okay? You doing well over there in uh, Columbus? Oh, yes, sir. Uh, we are great. Um, it's good to be back on break. Also, get more time to watch some college basketball. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, all right, so we're going to recap this last week. Um, everything that's happened in college basketball, obviously, as we always do. Um, and then we'll roll into kind of the next, these upcoming, uh, this weekend, and some weekend games to kind of keep your eye on. Um and then kind of into next week, if there's anything big coming up, I know we got a couple big ones Sunday, especially. We'll get to that later. Um, and then obviously we'll end with the Musketeer minute as we always do. Uh, but Graham, I'll let you kick us off here. Uh, last Wednesday, December first, uh, pretty noticeable um, result. Uh, Florida, Oklahoma. Uh, what, what do you got about that one? Yeah. So um, this was a great win for Oklahoma. Oklahoma won. Um, in a neck-and-neck game that they pulled away late in. Um, they ended up winning 74-67. Big game from Tanner Groves. Um, don't remember. I don't know if you remember, but he was from Eastern Washington. Yep. He's a super senior transfer who's been having a great season under um, ex-Loyola Chicago head coach Porter Moser. Um, Oklahoma just lost the other night to Butler um, by four, but they've had... Um, a pretty up and down season against some of their inferior opponents, but now they're sitting at seven and two, which um, right now is about middle of the pack in Big Twelve. But conference play hasn't started. It's nothing to be worried about. Um, this weekend they have a big game um, against Arkansas, which is going to be a good test to see if this Oklahoma team can be consistent, because that Florida win looked good until. Um, Florida's been struggling a little bit. Uh, they lost their second game after that one um, to Texas Southern. Yeah, and Texas Southern going in that game was one and seven. And so, they and they didn't just lose. Texas Southern stomped Florida. Um, twenty twenty yeah. point win there for Texas Southern. So um, definitely something to keep an eye on yeah. there. Um, rolling along uh, with the Big Twelve coverage uh, last Friday. Had a, a good, uh, well, it, a, an interesting game at that. Um, St. John's uh, opening their new UBS arena. Um, again, I, I guess it's, so I understand it's like an alternative arena, similar to, you know, like how um, Villanova would sometimes play games at the Sixers arena and then sometimes play at their home arena. You know, it's just an alternative arena, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um so they've got the larger venue um, for the new um, for like the larger events, you know. So you got Kansas in town. You think, all right, let's sell a few more tickets, take them over there, take them away from the formerly known rack, now the Jersey Mike's Arena. Um, again, rest in peace to the rack. Um, but yeah, so Kansas St. John's last Friday, um, Kansas really took care of business there, um, as they did uh, yesterday, uh, Tuesday against UTEP. Kansas looks really good. I think something, a couple quick notes on Kansas. Um, 
So o- Ochai obviously been the story. He's uh, third in the nation right now in scoring average per game. Obviously, uh, you know, getting great production out of him. He's clearly going to be the best player on that team. Probably going to be a top ten, you know, first or second team All American there. Um, Christian Brown as kind of I'm not going to say come out of nowhere because um, he's been a, a consistent scorer for the Jayhawks, um, but big mm-hmm. uh, big couple evenings out of him these last two games. He had 30 against St. John's. Um, and then uh, 20 plus last night against UTEP. So a couple big games for him. Um, he's really starting to get into form and, and find his scoring, uh, find his scoring ability again. Um, as I remember from watching him in high school, that kid could stroke the ball. So um, good to see him really getting going uh, for the Jayhawks. Yeah. And then, uh, but the almost a bigger story: Remy Martin not playing up to um, what kind of his expectations were. I would say. Um, uh, goose egg on the score on the score sheet last night uh, against UTEP for Remy Martin. Um, so definitely an interesting one, but I th- I think it's also kind of a positive for Kansas fans if you take that away and you say, all right, we still blew out you know UTEP by twenty plus, um, blew out St. John's, mm-hmm. um, and Remy Martin didn't see the score sheet a lot. Uh, definitely interesting to see. Also worth noting, Bill Self uh, has said on the record that um, Remy Martin is one of he's learning new things coaching Remy Martin that he hasn't learned yet as a coach, which is pretty crazy thinking he's been coaching for 20 plus years and has definitely come across uh, plenty of personalities as you see, you know, some of his NBA products. Um, so definitely interesting to see there with, uh, with Remy Martin and, and being uh, challenging for him, but I don't think uh, an unwelcome challenge by any means, just, just uh, something new um, there for coach self. So definitely yeah. worth noting there. And, and to add to this game, um, Regardless of how good they looked offensively, I mean, Kansas um, score at will, got to the line, executed at the line, took care of the ball for the most part, other than Remy. Um, But St. John's, they didn't really have an answer for Julian Champagne, but I don't think that says much about Kansas as it does more so about Julian, that he has been very good this year, and... um, not only can I see him, you know, being on in discussion for player of the year in the Big East, but also he could be like the guy that's draft ready um, from this conference. Uh, I don't really look forward to seeing Julian Champagne' um, dominant run come to Cincinnati. I would agree. Um, but in terms of other dominant runs, Purdue with a huge win. Uh, on this same day, on December 3rd, against Iowa, who at the time, Iowa was an undefeated team. I hadn't really beat anybody, but um, still a, a solid contender at that, and, and beginning of their Big Ten play, so. Yeah, and what's crazy is that this team, this Purdue team, they just have so many good players, and Jane Ivey's been, like, their guy, I yeah. guess. But, I mean, with... Um, with Travion Williams and Zach Eady, they just like have so many great presence presences on the court, and they are, I'd say, a very deserving number one seed right now. And I I don't think that there's a team playing better than them night in and night out, other than I'd Purdue. Agree. Um, Purdue uh, with that number one ranking on Monday broke the uh, longest, um, I guess, it'd be longest streak or. Yeah, it was. They had the most weeks ranked in the AP Top Twenty Five in the in the country uh, without being ranked number one overall. So cool to see them uh, and Matt Painter's crew finally get that number one ranking. 
um, for uh, Purdue. Definitely a team that is rolling uh, into conference play and definitely a team that, I mean, I think they just look really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on to uh, December 4th, last Saturday, uh, the big, really, the story of the weekend, um, Alabama going essentially on the road. I mean, it's, you know, it was in Seattle, so, you know, we can say it's on the road. We right. can say it's a, it's kind of like the Kansas Jayhawks playing in Kansas City. You know, it's it's just out, I mean, Spokane and Seattle are not super close, but obviously a large Gonzaga con, uh, contingent there of fans. Um, point being, mm-hmm. um, Alabama took care of business. And, uh, you know, they played their brand of basketball. I mean, Nate Oates has really created a heck of a program there. Um, and it was it's really cool to kind of see what he has put together. Um, but, you know, they you know they did exactly uh, what they said they were going to do. Um, you know, jacking up uh, a ton of threes. Um, that, you know, I mean, yeah, that's, that's just that's the Alabama brand of basketball. Um, and so really, really cool to see them take care of business. Again, a nine point win, um, in Seattle, um, you know, for, for Alabama, for the Crimson Tide, they, uh, yeah, I mean, they threw up 34 threes on, on Saturday. So that's, I mean, that's a ridiculous number. Um, other noteworthy things with Gonzaga, Chet Holmgren didn't really see the floor a whole lot. Um, and I think Mark Fuse kind of explanation was to that was, that he hadn't really been providing anything uh, dynamically offensively, so um, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to kind yeah. of see how he falls in and, and and how he you know finds his place uh, there with that Gonzaga team. Uh, but right now, I don't think he's found it just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, huge win for Bama. I mean, night in and night out, they're displaying with the combination of Shackleford, Quinley, uh, J.D. Davis, and that they have. I mean, if not the best, one of the best guard plays in the country right now. Um, they score a lot. Um, and I think that the best thing that Alabama has going for them right now is time. They have so much time to, you know, get the inner workings of, like, their defense down, what their identity, because right now, I mean, they're scoring a lot and effectively. So the fact that if they have the time to organize, this is this is a national, in my opinion, a national contending team. Absolutely. Once they can get get their stuff like organized and straight of what type of team they want to do, what what kind of team they want to be. The problem is with Alabama right now is that if you're going to be a scoring team and then one night you know the rims not being your friend, I mean, what does this team right. do? No, absolutely, man. I think that's it's kind of a lot of what we saw last year. I mean, it was that was their brand. Like they're gonna throw up thirty three pointers a night, and if they fall, you know, you're in trouble. And if they don't, you know, then how are you gonna score? And I do think they have more dynamic um, playmakers this year, a little bit more team chemistry this year. Um, so definitely interesting to see that. Although they do have that kind of weird loss to Iona. Um, obviously, never underestimate a, a Rick Pitino coach team, especially one that like he basically had a practice run at that last year in the tournament so you know you mm-hmm. give rick patina a second chance um you know you're never gonna never gonna you know doubt him there but definitely worth uh noting that uh, but again i agree grandma uh, alabama looks really good speaking of rick patino um and this is nothing official on this um something that we do have to mention last friday became official mark turgeon is out at maryland that um was a headline that hit kind of out of nowhere on friday i know 
you know, traditionally, if we have any, you know, soccer or football um, fans uh, out there listening, um, you know, that those middle of the season, you know, firings or sacks, as they call them over there, fairly common. You know, team goes on a bad run. You're going to see that. Um, University-wise, uh, here, college, basketball and football, really, you don't see that too often. You don't see coaches leaving um, in the middle of the season. So definitely interesting and worth noting. Mm-hmm. Mark Turgeon, obviously, I say Rick Pitino as a potential. I mean, there's nothing official here. This search is going to take a long time. Um, but definitely worth noting, and uh, I'll be interested to see where Maryland goes. Maryland's definitely, I mean, it's got to be top 20, top 30 job uh, in the country, no doubt. I mean, they got so many resources there, ACC level, uh, great fan base, all that good stuff. So, you know, we'll mm-hmm. just see. We'll kind of see what comes from that. Um Again, Maryland. Well, Maryland did the, stumble out of the gate, obviously, this year. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I I think, I think it's there in the, in Maryland's best interest to kind of just find someone who can, you know, just like let them coast through the season and hopefully make a run if they have the talent to do so. But um, it, I think this will just be another case of one of those times where you know your 8 9 10 11 12 13 14 seed you know makes wins a few games or maybe beats a top dog and then you're like okay well maybe this coach that's been there for seven years and has built a program you know i'd it'd be really cool to see um who, who they replace yeah. if they keep it in-house or if they find someone in terms of um, while we're on the topic of coaching that it isn't working, well, oh, I think it's a great opportunity. To <laughs> Real quick, let me let me wrap up one thing. I was move gonna, on. To, um, Danny boom. Manning is going to be that interim head coach there um, at Maryland. So obviously, former KU player, uh, coached for Wake Forest for quite a few years. Um, so just wanted to mention really quick, Danny Manning will be the interim there, uh, and I would assume we'll get them through the season. Um, it'll be interesting to see if this team kind of rallies behind him um, and and throw something together because I think they have the talent I think they have a good team I just think they've stumbled out of the gate uh, similar to a couple other teams Michigan Oregon uh, just to name a couple but yeah. um, I, I will let you uh, carry on and uh, with a coaching situation that's not going too well um, as well as another team stumbling out of the gate Graham go ahead and, go ahead and hit us well to, to add on right before we talk about our next okay. thing <laughs> um, this I, I just uh, forgot that the Florida team that we were talking about, it was like kind of in the middle of like, what, what are we, what are we, like, are we good, are we good, are we bad, are we, whatever. Um, they have a great testing game, um, visiting Maryland, and ACC Big, Big right. Ten. So that would be a great game to look out for to see if Maryland could find themselves in the groove back at home versus a pretty good team. Um, all right, now to get to where we wanted to go. Absolutely. Uh, Memphis. Um, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead and gloat, gloat so, for a second there, Graham. Get dance on that grave a little bit, if you'd like. Yeah, so uh, it's unfortunate, but um, Memphis, you know, they lost to Iowa State, and everyone was like, "Oh, bad loss, bad loss," because Iowa State isn't good. But technically, I mean, <coughs> I mean, Iowa State's undefeated. Can't really argue with those numbers. Yeah, so so they lose one. 20 turnovers, per usual. Then they lose to Georgia. Now only by three, but that is definitely a team that they should be beating with the talent that that they have. Don't forget that is a Tom Crean coached 
Georgia team, I, I, I would expect some respect out of you. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but, and then you move on to at Ole Miss, and you lose again, this time with 20 turnovers. Where, by the way, just um, real quick, post-game or, or, or pre-game prior to Ole Miss, Hardaway was, like, um, you know, talking about the fact that, like, he really didn't, he needed to figure out his rotation. He didn't want to play a ton of guys. Eight minutes into that game, he 11 guys had already taken their warm-up shirts off and had been in the game. So, I just, he has no rotation. There's no, um, there's a big-time lack of chemistry. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll let you, I'll let you continue to make the same points that you tried to, that you yeah, tried to make a month I, ago. I think that, um, it's just not going to work, and it's just a matter of time before Penny's just like, all right, I'm done, because I don't think that Memphis ever wants to fire him. Right. Um, they have a tough game um, coming up, which is uh, now ninth-ranked Alabama, and then their present for fighting through Alabama is to play Tennessee. So they have some tough games going on. Yeah, that's two, that's two they top have to 15. figure out what the heck they're going to do. That's two top 15 games right there. Uh and I found um, a very interesting thing that someone said about Penny Hardaway. Instead of the, the problem with his um, coaching, could very well be that he was such a naturally gifted athlete and a very um, gifted scorer that it might be hard for him to connect with those players. Like, he's never, ever had to be, like, take a step back and, like, you know talk about his game and apply it he's always just been that guy um i'm good because i'm naturally gifted my defense is good because i'm long i'm athletic and i work hard like if if he can't find a way to like tap in i don't think that he's x's and o's like smart enough because like he hasn't had a lot of coaching experience especially like make the immediate jump to a good perennial tournament team in memphis um i i and not to mention, well, I totally agree with you. I, mean, I, I think it's almost you almost look at like a Patrick Ewing situation, right? Everybody loves Patrick Ewing, right? You, you see him go to Georgetown, you know. Obviously, his alma mater. Everyone wants to go play for him because he's such a great player. Um, and then he's just coached mm-hmm. a bunch of mediocre teams. I think it's a similar situation. I don't think Georgetown ever wants to fire Patrick Ewing, um, but. I don't really see Georgetown being all of that relevant, you know, until he's gone, unfortunately. And I just think it's the same kind of deal. So, yeah, uh, we've talked about this several times is that Memphis does not have an offense. Go score is not going to work night in and night out. And they especially do not have a point guard. Um, I went up to look to see, like, like assist wise, like well, what do they do? And Alex Lomax, their starting two guard, is leading the team in assists with two point six. And like already, that is not good. Like you want your your leading assist guy to be in like the threes or the fours or eight, maybe even higher. But if you're by committee, threes, fours, that's fine. But his turnovers is also two point six. So Alex Lomax, that dude does not turn the ball over. But he also doesn't really pass the ball that often. So, yeah. So they um, 
they need to figure some stuff out before they uh, lose to Murray State um, in two days. Uh, dude, Murray State, Murray State is going to be a tough game, and it's going to be an interesting dynamic, too, thinking like, okay, so you've got John Morant, which I'm sure plenty of those guys are fans of because he plays in Memphis for the Grizzlies, mm-hmm. and now you're going to go on the road to Murray State, a tough environment, and a good Murray State team, as always. I mean, that team is always good. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't I, – I don't see him winning that game. I mean, what's, can we get a can we get a line on that, please? I mean, yeah. Whoa. I mean, I mean, Murray State. Um, last I checked, was like a seven, seven one, six and one team. Um, I know that they do have one of the notable grad transfers, um, Carter Collins from Davidson College. <laughs> um, he gives them great, uh, a great solid twenty really, minutes that, game. That extra dimension. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now. Obviously, when you look at Murray State, you could talk about um, uh, Taven Brown with 18 points game, K.J. Williams with 17, but I think the 4.5 that Carter Collins from Davidson, um, Davidson Wildcat, uh, provides. Absolutely. All right, to, uh, to get back on track, uh, we wanted to talk about um, Iowa State real quick. Um, Iowa State with a great... Um, win against Creighton. Creighton's been a little bit confusing. Um, we don't know if they're good, if they're bad, if they want to be good, if they want to be bad. But nonetheless, they are a solid team on paper that um, Iowa State took care of. Pretty handily. Um, yeah, they Iowa State was down one. They played a very slow-paced game that they wanted to play the first half. Um, couldn't really... Um, you know, get the get the lid off the hoop. It was a really low scoring game, but then they really pulled away late. Now they're now this Iowa State team, who picked up a big win in the Big Twelve Big East battle, is eight zero, and now they have a great rivalry game coming up tomorrow night, um, nine o'clock versus Iowa, and Iowa. You know, we we think they're just like a middle of the road team but you know rivalry game anything can happen i'm very excited to see um what this team yeah, can do absolutely because the way that they play i can't really tell if like this is like legit like if their eight no is like really like we'll look out tournament team um but this is a, a team that could be very interesting um and they have a lot of opportunities to really prove to themselves, prove to the nation um, who they are. Because they have Iowa, they have Baylor very early in their conference play. They have at Oklahoma and at Kansas and Texas all in a row. I mean, that's that's the thing. They I mean, go, the Big 12 is, um, per net rankings, the best uh, conference in the country like by like far and out their average uh, net ranking. Um, I believe I think it was like 43 and a half. It was somewhere in the 40s. Um, Next closest uh, was the SEC in the mid seventies. So, um, if I have that right, my my yeah. big ten. Anyway, point being, I knew I know they were like thirty rankings on average above uh, the next best Power Five conference. So, Big Twelve is is far now going to be the best conference in basketball again this year. Um, maybe not come tournament time, but you know that's kind of a notorious Big Twelve thing. Um, but yeah, I would say like as a as a, as a Kansas fan. Um, this is the first year uh, since George Niang 
uh, graduated that I am worried about going to Hilton Coliseum. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I definitely think it's a it's going to be a good test. Um, we have a, a few miscellaneous things before we get into um, talking about Xavier's past three games and going forward, and then talking about the Crosstown shootout um, this Saturday. Um, a few things that I wanted mm-hmm. to talk about is Washington. Um, University of Washington had COVID yeah, scare. Two, two COVID. Few players. Uh, they had to del- they had to reschedule yeah. one and uh, forfeit one. Correct. Yeah. So. I want to talk about that that positive case, and um, they played a conference opponent. Um, I, sorry, UCLA. I can't remember who, but they postponed UCLA. the game. Oh no, they they postponed the game prior to UCLA. I believe it was. Uh, let me check. Hold on. Uh, Arizona got postponed, and then they forfeited the game against UCLA. I think that a COVID shutdown this early in the season should not be a forfeit. So the the deal with that um, is, is it was it's not on the conference has no like the ruling is is if the two teams cannot mutually agree upon a rescheduled date, then it is a forfeit for the team that has the COVID cases. That's the rule that's been set by all the conferences. I agree with you. I don't really understand how from either team's perspective you cannot find a rescheduled date this early on. Um, but it, I mean, it is what it is. Yep. Um, I'm going to shoot you a few of the top 25 games that are going on right now. Um, you know, we got Michigan state and Minnesota, uh, Michigan stays up a little bit. Um, and then I wanted to talk about the fact that West Virginia with an upset win in the big East big 12 battle, um, another loss for the Big East, making our resume look a little bit weaker. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, going to Morgantown is always tough. Uh, yes. Especially, especially with uh, Press and Virginia. And the Bob Huggins coach team. Um, yeah. But um, I caught this caught my eye because I wanted to talk about some of the top teams because we have um, a great deal of time. Uh, what teams do you think have impressed you uh, so far? Maybe – whether they've lived up to expectations or maybe they're exceeding expectations. Yeah. Um, um, let's I, go ahead. Obviously Purdue. I mean, I think that's a no-brainer. Um, I think Baylor has looked really good, especially given what they lost last year with two uh, first and second round draft picks, um, Jared Butler and uh, Davion Mitchell. So, <coughs> excuse me, those, that, those would be the couple big ones. I would say, obviously, up, up at the top. Um, outside of that, uh, Tommy Lloyd at Arizona. I mean, obviously, the, the Arizona team as a whole, but Tommy Lloyd especially, first yeah. year, uh, he comes in and just rolls. And, I mean, they are undefeated. They look really good. Took care of Oregon State. Not that Oregon State is the most impressive and glamorous win, but it's a 25-point win to open their conference play on Sunday night. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just think they look really good. And then and then the other big one I would hit on, obviously another undefeated team, Arkansas. I, I really do think uh, Muss is – Eric Musselman's got something going there. Um, great program he's put together. They took care of Charlotte on Tuesday night, 86-66, uh, to continue that undefeated run, moving them to 9-0. and I think Arkansas looks really good. Um, other big notable results Tuesday, Texas Tech upsets Tennessee at the Jimmy V Classic in overtime, 57-52 um, at – uh, Madison Square Garden there, um, so definitely worth noting there. 
Texas Tech, I think, still no slouch of a team. Obviously, you lose Chris Beard, so you lose a big reason of why you've been really good for the last few years. Um, but still a lot of talented players on that mm-hmm. roster. Um, Tennessee, we'll see how they roll into that Memphis game here coming up in the next week. Um, and then Villanova took care of Syracuse in the nightcap game, but that's really no surprise there. Um, Villanova obviously looks really good, um, as always. Looking forward, uh, already touched on Iowa, Iowa State, another uh, top 25 matchup, Big East, Big 12 battle, Texas and Seton Hall tomorrow night could be a really good one. Um, that game uh, will be in... Yeah, I'm really hoping that's yeah, it'll a good be in one. The, in the Prudential uh, Center uh, in New Jersey, so um, definitely worth noting that one. Um, a tough, and, tough environment think, for Texas to go to. I think that that's going to be um, very interesting because... Seton Hall is looking to um, establish themselves as like, hey, KK, like we're good, like we're not, we're not faking. We didn't just beat Michigan team by luck, like we're good. And also Texas is looking to like put themselves back on the main stage. I mean, they got embarrassed when they went to Gonzaga, Absolutely. and I mean, we talked about this a lot in the first two episodes, and then I know a lot of people. In the college basketball community, we're talking about how Texas is like, you know, top team. They have Chris Beard, a lot of great transfers. But then as soon as, um, you know, the Gonzaga game happened, I feel like they kind of like erased from the spotlight. So going into Seton Hall territory and getting a big win could be um, could, very could be interesting. interesting. Um, um, real quick to round out, yep. the, uh, round out the weekend, a couple other big games. Arkansas uh, going on the road to Oklahoma definitely uh, could be a good one. Um, Porter Moser, his first like really really big test um, against a really good Arkansas team, obviously as we were just mentioning, um, Wisconsin Ohio State in the top twenty five matchup. BYU goes on the road to Creighton, so another another test for both of those sides. Um, Bonaventure at UConn, or excuse me, that is not at UConn. That is a neutral site game. That is going to be at the Prudential Center in New Jersey. Um, so Bonaventure UConn, another really good one there. Arizona uh, at Illinois. Obviously, Illinois has underperformed this year, um, but again, a good top twenty-five matchup. Houston at Alabama. Houston, you know what? Let, let's see what what we got from you here. Going on the road to again a really really good Alabama team, like we were saying earlier. Um, so I think it'll be a good slate there Saturday. Um, obviously, with our game uh, ending as the nightcap, and then don't forget uh, two fifteen Central Time, uh, the renewal of the rivalry, Kansas Missouri. Um, Allen Allen Fieldhouse is looking to break their own record of loudest indoor roar, uh, 130.4 decibels is the current record. They're looking to break it, break their own record uh, again on Saturday for the first first time (laughs) uh, they've played Mizzou in 10 years. So really looking forward to that one, obviously, as a KU fan. And also I just think the the world of basketball needs that rivalry back. I think that's something that the Big 12 misses out on a little bit uh, as compared to some other conferences. They don't have a lot of big-time rivalries that really – take center stage and uh, Kansas Missouri was that for a while obviously Missouri leaving for the SEC um, is unfortunate but I think renewing that rivalry will be big Um, and the only other really really big one um, is gonna be Sunday uh, the weekend capper Villanova at Baylor oh boy yeah it's gonna be huge Uh, it's gonna be fun Dickie V on the call just got approved by his doctors to be there Sunday afternoon so I man I am so so excited for that one um first uh, really really big test for Villanova outside of Purdue obviously um, and Baylor looking good and, and playing in front of a home crowd so it'll be fun yeah and while we're uh, on the games of Sunday something caught my eye um, undefeated USC team at home 
uh, takes a visit from Long Beach State, and it made me remember that UCLA was in um, a neck-and-neck game against Long Beach State earlier uh-huh. in the year. And I saw someone comment that after UCLA won convincingly by 20 or 30 points, um, someone was concerned that they put on money uh, mid-game, hoping that um, Long Beach State could pull away for the crazy upset. And I saw someone say that, why would you ever bet on a team that plays in a pyramid? <laughs> now, I don't know if you are aware of this. Probably not. But Long Beach State, Long Beach State, um, in Long Beach, yeah, California. That is where Long Beach State would probably be. Uh, beautiful, beautiful oh, campus, right, yeah. right? They play in a pyramid. Walter Pyramid is a blue pyramid, smack dab in center campus. I gotta, um, hold on. I gotta look this up. And the inside has to be one of the most hideous things I've ever seen Wait, in my so life. Wait, so Walter Pyramid? Walter oh my Pyramid God. is where Long Beach State not kidding. plays basketball. I mean, it looks um, like it looks I like everyone in, uh, looks should like know that. Downtown Memphis. Yeah, just uh, just because we can't get away from shitting on Memphis. I think because that Walter Pyramid looks bad is Memphis's fault. So, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. You know what that kind of remind that roof kind of reminds me of. For for everyone listening, please, uh, as long as you are not driving, um, please look this up. Um, this is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, you know what? It kind of reminds me of the inside of uh, Baylor's arena, uh, in Waco. Similar kind of ceiling action going on there. I gotta refresh my memory. Oh yeah, go, yeah, go look at it. Uh, Baylor Arena. Yeah, the the inside of their arena looks it's pretty hideous. Um, oh no, you see what happened is I looked it up on Google and then on the top right, right next to maps, it gives me like a small picture of it. It was so hideous, I don't even want to yeah, go I, to Google. I wouldn't look further through those images. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so all right, well let's let's put a wrap on that um, on outside college basketball. Let's let's dive in uh, briefly um, to the past week of Xavier hoops. We got three games to recap, and then um, and then uh, obviously uh, get ready for uh, crosstown shootout this upcoming weekend. And then we'll also briefly touch on Moorhead State next week. Um, depending on, I don't know if we'll record before or after that game next Wednesday. But point being, uh, I don't think there's too much to speak on on uh tonight's performance and last wednesday's i mean just took care of business with central michigan and and ball state um team looked really good both nights i believe uh graham unless you got anything to add there i'm not going to talk too much about those two games uh no uh i think that it is interesting to point out that um that zach is back Qu- quick, um, quick moment. Great. Let's slow down. Looking great. Good. He, he looked. He looked good. Really rough first couple of games, which is understandable. First couple understandable. Games. Guy was in a boot for two months. Like you know, it takes a while to get your feet back under you. But yeah, those first couple of games, like Oklahoma State especially, like he was taking some shots that I was like, whoa, dude. Like, yeah, I I guess I, I see what you're yeah. saying. Um, talking about those two games specifically. Nate Johnson is finding oh, his oh rhythm. Oh, my word. And you called it earlier, too. You said yeah. um, about a month ago, I think, I'm pretty sure on this podcast, unless we were talking about this off the record, um, you were telling me that if Nate Johnson is that guy this year, that this team, that he's going to be the guy that's going to take this team to the next level, and he really looks like he's fallen into form. So, Yeah. 
going into tonight's game, he was shooting upwards of 48%, and he shoots with just such confidence. The guys have such a high level of cohesion right now. Um, Oklahoma State game, you know, no matter, like, with, like, there's back and forth calls, there's some missed shots, some bad shots, turnovers from both teams. No, no, I, I don't think there's much to say other than the fact that it was a little up and down game, but I'm glad we pulled away because we were the better Let team. Let me just say this. I'll leave um, it. I'm not going to complain about the officiating. I'm never going to be that guy. But it was honestly one of the strangest games I've watched all year. I mean, it was like, first of all, it yeah. took like two and a half hours. Like it took way longer than a normal game does. There were so many whistles. There was no flow. Um, mm-hmm. Officiating was rough on both ends. I mean, there were multiple times where a ball was like clearly tipped out of bounds by one of the other team, and the call was incorrect. And all the players would kind of just like stand there and look at each other. Um, it was hilarious because so the, the 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 commentary the commentators were zooming in. Which, by the way, ESPN, can we can we cut that out, please? Like like, come on, that was yeah. Also. And Fox has done a great job with it because it's not as noticeable if they aren't at the games. But ESPN, they make it so oh, noticeable yeah. that either the um, the commentators and announcers and analysts are either not on the right side of the gym near the scores table. And if they're not going to be at the scores table, like, like, I mean, that's fine, whatever. But when they're at home, it is so clear that they're yes. at home. The audio is always very different. They, they um, never – it's almost like they never always, talk. It's, it's There's just delay. Long, long periods of silence, and that's what I noticed on Sundays. There were just multiple times where I was like, I feel like I'm not even – I feel like I'm just watching, like, like film. Like, I mean, it was – Yeah, and yeah. I'm not going to, you know, crap on Oklahoma State no. because I know why that they've had attendance problems this year because, I mean, what are they playing for? Yeah. But – um, well, I think part of it too. Like, it was a, it was a part of it too. They, it was, it was a dead. It, 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 totally, but I think part of it too. I mean, they had just played Baylor the day before in the Big Twelve Championship in football, so I think a lot of at least the student body was probably still in Dallas. If you, yeah, you know, if you think about true. it that way, I again, I thought the same thing though because originally when I saw that game on the schedule, I was like, oh boy, like Gallagher is not an easy place to go into, uh, and then it looked like an open gym practice on sunday so yeah it it really it was really a really strange game that was like everything about that game was perfect time for xavier to just like fall under the ropes and get a a road loss that's gonna haunt us at the end of the season but we you know we stepped up to the occasion i think that we took with all the weird crap that was going on that game with officiating uh, back and, and by the way, too, like uh, we're... my favorite one of the whole game was when Oklahoma State at one point put the wrong guy in the line. I don't know if that was purposeful or not. I'm not gonna make any. Yeah, yeah, he, 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 he... you could hear Travis audibly on the broadcast yelling, "Hey, hey, that's not who's shooting twenty-two shoot, or whatever, whatever number it was." And I remember yeah. it like went silent after the ref like walked over to him and like you know calmed him down. And then as the ref was walking away, you just hear Travis go. Don't let that happen. I was like, oh, I was like, oh, Lord. So it was hilarious. That was such a weird deal. But in the last five minutes, felt like it took like 45 minutes to just get out of that game. And it was weird, too, because it was like, it was yeah, like exactly. a, almost like a false sense of hope. Like Oklahoma State would like hit two threes and then it'd be like an eight point game and they like thought they were back in it. And it was like, no, it's, it's, this game's mm-hmm. over. But, anyways, point being. I, I also think. Um, 
to the final point about that game for me is that it showed the team's growth and maturity as compared to last year. Yes. Like, that is the exact type of game that that team last year would have Absolutely. lost. Yeah, so, totally agree. Great maturity. Do you want to talk about Ball State? I mean, we kind of talked about Central up? Michigan. They just took care of business again. Nate Johnson pulling from everywhere. Yeah. Uh, fun to watch that. I think and, Zach tonight finally started to find a little bit of feel, um, which was good because he didn't look great in those first two games. I think he finally started to find a little bit of feel, uh, which is good. Um, going into Saturday, do we um, – yeah, anything else on, on tonight? Yeah, I really wanted to say that um, – Don't say it. <laughs> that with, with Zach, Zach Fremantle's game is that he played very well. Um, he had 24 points, seven rebounds, four assists. But the best part is, is a lot of his points were like they were earned points, like sprinting in transition, yes. um, getting tough, tough putbacks. And the shots he missed were shots that, like, he took last year that usually go in. Like, he looked a lot more comfortable. And the best part about this team, like, right now, is the cohesion and, like, togetherness of this team. Like, it feels like it's just one unit. Like, although we only play, like, 9, 10 guys and 10 with Zach back. I, I think that's I think that's It a feels perfect, like every single lineup. Perfect number, though. Yeah. I, um... Even though, like, you know, it's it's 10 guys, 10 different guys, 10 different lineups because so many guys are interchangeable, different spots. Very few lineups feel like, oh, how are we going to score? Oh, how are we going to defend? Like, there is a very together, um, well-organized team that um, going into this rivalry game is going to be great because this is definitely, like, this is the game that um, while, you know, it hasn't been the same past few years because, you know, it, it isn't just early 2000s, like, punching each other <laughs> in in the fourth court and the second half. But, um, I mean, this is a very serious game, and I think all the guys in the locker room know it, the way that they're preparing for this game. And I think when you have a team that plays so hard together, who wants to succeed together, it's setting a perfect game up for a great team win. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think... I am looking forward to Saturday. I cannot wait. Um, it's the first uh, full arena crosstown shootout we've had in two years. Um, so that's going to be great. Um, I would just really quickly like to mention, and Xavier Athletics actually retweeted this, which is pretty funny. I also retweeted it. Um, Wes Miller, this is going to be his first crosstown shootout game, obviously, in his first year at the University of Cincinnati as uh, head coach. Um, he said, quote, in a in a preview um uh press conference talking about uh crossing said listen uh we know going to norwood comma going to xavier pronounced egg xavier which by the way it's just xavier um for anyone that has any you know preconceived notions about it uh is going to be a new experience uh but we're going to lean into it and we're going to be excited about it um i (laughs) just already setting up uh, to be a hated coach, uh, which I think is going to be great. I mean, it's great for the rivalry. Um, and just, I, I think he's mm-hmm. already taken jabs, which I, I, I respect it. I love it. I, I love to see uh, that the fire's already there. Um, Cincinnati, I mean, you don't know what to expect. I, I, I would say from the stats, you don't know what to expect. It's going to be a close game. I'll tell you that right now. Either way, um, I think this is going to be a dogfight, and I think it's going to be 
big statement win for Xavier or a game for UC that's really going to get them rolling into conference play. So either way, I'm excited to see it. Um, it's going to be a packed house. It's going to be the atmosphere is going to be electric. I cannot wait. I'm getting on a flight uh, in a little under 36 hours. Uh, no, actually exactly 36 hours um, to head to Cincinnati. And I cannot wait for that game. So it's going to be a good time. Oh, yeah. Well, I think we're all set yeah. here. Um, we talked about the games going up. We have our first taste of Crosstown Absolutely. Shootout um, this Can Saturday. Um, I'll be I'll be sure to see you. We're both making the trip uh, down slash across. <laughs> um, so I am very excited for that. Uh, we'll catch you guys early next week. Probably recording on Wednesday, our usual time. Yep. Um, until then, everyone stay safe. In the winter months, and Evan, if you have anything yeah. else, you can yeah, sign absolutely. Us uh, thanks for joining me, Graham. As always, a pleasure to be with you. Um, enjoy the crosstown this weekend. Enjoy the the loaded slate on Saturday. I mean, a loaded slate of basketball. Um, so it's going to be a good weekend for sure. Um, and can't wait to talk to you all again here in just a week. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you guys later.